weeks of praying for patience. It's ironic that many of us wish we had more time to get ready for Christmas. The fact of the matter is, time waits for no one. Life rushes at us, and there are times when we simply cannot get everything done. But as the Mayan calendar tells us, even when we run out of time, it's not the end of the world. (laughs) Our gospel today takes us to a moment when people should be anxious about running out of time. The angel Gabriel has already appeared to Mary and told her that she will be bearing God's son. The entire cosmos is rushing towards the destiny that God has set in motion at the creation. Will Mary be ready in time? But Luke tells us that both Mary and Elizabeth don't experience as much anxiety as they do joy with the unexpected. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. And today, with this baptism and this gospel passage of two pregnant women meeting, it is a wonderful opportunity to reflect on the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. And so probably a lot of people here are worried about what still needs to be done in the next 36 hours. You're making mental lists. You're checking them twice. I invite you all to mentally put that list away. Try to be present here. And promise yourself not to take the list back out for the next hour or so. Jesus Christ has already saved the world. We simply gather and celebrate that. Our understanding of the Holy Spirit is largely based on what we sometimes call the sequel to the Gospel of St. Luke, the Acts of the Apostles. St. Luke wrote that as well. And that book begins with the familiar story of Pentecost. And then the rest of it tells how the Holy Spirit guided the early church. In fact, as the Acts of the Apostles goes along, Jesus is mentioned less and less frequently. Instead, we hear stories of how Jesus' disciples are able, through the work of the Holy Spirit, to do things just like Jesus did in the Gospel of Luke. Some scholars have suggested that we should rename the book The Acts of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of us have a concept of the Holy Spirit based solely on Pentecost. We think that we suddenly received the Holy Spirit for the first time at our confirmation. That is an overly simplistic understanding of the third person of the Holy Trinity. And the person who has helped us best to have a more sophisticated understanding of the Holy Spirit is St. Luke. A quick look at his gospel reveals that it too is drenched in the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, is used 11 times in the first two and a half chapters of Luke. And none of these references refer to Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, we hear the angel predict that John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit. The angel explains to Mary how the Holy Spirit will overshadow her. And even before the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, the angel says that she is already full of grace. In our passage today, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Magnificat, Mary speaks of how her spirit rejoices in God. At John's birth, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and at the presentation of the Lord, we're told in three consecutive verses about how the Holy Spirit has guided Simeon. So our gospel passage today features four people filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth, Mary, John the Baptist, and Jesus. And two of them haven't even been born yet. Christians see many references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, too. At the creation, we believe that it was the Holy Spirit of God that blew on the waters. Human beings came to life when God breathed into their nostrils. Joshua is described as a man of spirit. Saul had the Spirit of God rush upon him. The great 20th century theologian Karl Rahner says that we are each born with something called the supernatural existential. In simpler terms, that simply means that we are born with the Holy Spirit already dwelling within us. That's important. Let's say it again. We are born with the Holy Spirit already dwelling within us. So what exactly are we doing here today when we baptize Anderson? He already has the Holy Spirit dwelling within him. Well, let's start by talking about what his parents are doing. Locke and Jenny, you are pledging to raise your child as a member of the church. In this act of baptism, Anderson will be knit into the body of Christ in a way that can never be undone. And as I've said before here, and you'll undoubtedly hear me say again, sacraments are not a reward for a job well done. They are grace Extra doses of the Holy Spirit for the journey ahead. For example, the Eucharist is not a reward for those who act in saintly ways. It's a grace for those of us who still battle with sin. Confirmation is not the reward for finishing Sunday school. It's the grace to be strengthened for the complexities of life as an adult. And those of you who are married now know the sacrament of matrimony isn't a ceremony celebrating that the couple no longer has to hit the singles bars. It's the gathering of friends and family to pray for the graces for the difficult journey ahead. So Jenny and Locke, as much as we congratulate you on bringing Anderson into the world, that's not our main focus of our celebration today. We are baptizing Anderson to ask God to provide the graces to help him be a faithful disciple, to serve the other members of the body of Christ all his life long. Advent is the season of the unexpected. On December 23rd, I bet no one was expecting a homily on the Holy Spirit and sacramental theology. So in these last few minutes, before the busyness of Christmas overwhelms us, Let's ask the more appropriate, quiet questions of Advent one last time. At this moment on your spiritual journey, what are you waiting for? At this moment, what are you anxious about? At this moment, what are you hoping for? At this moment, what are you praying for? The specifics of our prayer may change, 
but the general hopes and dreams of our prayer are timeless. Our prayer today is no different than the one prayed by our Jewish ancestors 3,000 years ago when they first wrote Psalm 40. This is the same prayer that the letter to the Hebrews that was read today says was fulfilled at Christ's birth. It's the same prayer I offered seven and a half years ago on the day I learned that the Paulists had accepted me into the novitiate. It's the same prayer we offer for Anderson today. Behold, I come to do your will, O God. The Holy Spirit dwells within each of us. May Anderson's baptism and the subsequent Eucharist that we will share today give us additional graces to carry out the will of our Heavenly Father. We come to do your will, O God. We are baptized in order to carry out your will, O God. We receive the Eucharist in order to carry out your will, O God. We come to do your will with the same joy and grace as the Virgin Mary, O God. We come to do your will as it has been taught to us by your Son, Jesus the Christ, born in lowly Bethlehem Ephrathah more than 2,000 years ago. Behold, we come to do your will.